Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Psalm 34. And uh, before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today and for all that you've done. Thank you for the for loving us. And thank you for opening my heart and my mind and and being here next to me and helping me. Lord, you love us, and I don't understand why you love me. I know I'm far from worthy, but you do, and you comfort me. And I just lift up all those out there that are struggling. It's a tough time in our land and in our world, and I just pray, Father, for you to be with us all. I just pray you'd watch over us, guide us, protect people's hearts and their minds. I pray you just protect our daughters and our sons and our wives and husbands and just be with all of our family, Lord, I just pray. I just pray for those who are struggling and challenged in this society, in this world today. I pray for you to open our hearts and our minds as we read your word. May you be the one that we hear. May there be nothing from me, but everything from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Psalm 34. Sometimes I feel like it could be about me. It was written by David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. So David was in a lot of trouble, obviously, and he had to pretend he was crazy because if he didn't, then he would have gone and uh, probably would have been killed. So the fact that he had to pretend that he was insane and crazy and got driven away is what he had to do to, to survive. And uh, what a challenge for the king. Right, so here you are, the king, and yet you're pretending to be a nut job. So I also think about where I've been for the last week or so, concerned about my job, my life, just lots of things, and very concerned, anxiety, fear, um, stress, and trying my best to trust in God, trying not to, trying my best not to numb myself with alcohol and, and, uh, just ignoring things because that's a, that's a go-to I have. And so really just reaching out to God and trying to, to trust in him and do my best at being, being faithful and living what we're talking about here. I figure if David can do so many good things while he's being hounded and, and hunted, the least I can do is is do my best. So it's been an interesting f last week and uh, my heart seems to be in a much better place than where it's been. And I thank God for that. And I just think about in this, in this chapter or this Psalm, as we go through it, the constant exhortation by David, when he's going through heck, when he's going through extremely difficult times, how he continues to focus on praising God. And then I want to, after we go through that, I really want to think about real quickly, read to you something from A.W. Tozer. It's not a direct correlation to, uh, to this, but it's really cool. And it just helped me a lot when I was reading it yesterday. So with that, let's jump on into 
Psalm 34, verse 1. I will, I will exalt. Let's try that again. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So here he had just had to prove that he would or act insane. And he's saying, hey, let's thank God he delivered me. Gave me some mad acting skills. And he was able to escape. Let's glorify God for that. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look, at, look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. That's an important concept. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. If we focus on God, if we focus on Jesus, we can't be, we can't be shameful or made ashamed of our actions because ultimately we're, we're upholding and living for what's right. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. I can relate to that. I feel like that God is walking with me. I don't feel like I'm out of all my troubles or issues or concerns, but I feel that he's there and he's hearing me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So often I want to swear and say mean things or point out flaws. Really, it's my tongue wanting to be evil, which is actually the tongue is kind of an insight as to your heart. And keeping it in check has always been a challenge for me. My parents, from the time I can remember, always told me to (laughs) to keep my mouth shut because I'm being mean and it's not a good thing. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he hear, his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, it's hard for me to think at times that God is hearing me and saving me. Because I, I don't feel like when he says the eyes of the Lord are on, are on the righteous and he, his ears are attentive to their cry. Well, I'm not righteous. <laughs> in fact, I think I'm kind of in that, the group in verse 16. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I feel like I'm not a good person. I don't feel like I'm living correctly for God. When you look at David, I know he's sinned a lot. But he always turned back to God. And I try my best, but so often I don't give it credit. Anyways, verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. Again, I don't feel righteous at all. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Maybe I fall in at times into that where my heart is broken and I feel crushed. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. 
the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. And I guess that's just the bottom line. I don't consider myself righteous. I don't consider myself a good person most of the time. I know my heart. I know my thoughts. Very caustic and and can be very um, tough to people. Um, But for whatever reason, I seek God with a lot of my heart. I know I'm a failure at that. I don't do it as well. But this isn't about, you know, my, my failings. This is about that God loves us. And as I've been going through these challenges and trying to do my best, and as I'm on this journey, because I know it's a journey, it's not a destination. I was reading A.W. Tozer the other day, well, actually yesterday. And it's his book, Total Commitment to Christ. What is it? He's talking, he's writing about basically what Christians really should be doing in their in their life. And he tells this story. One time, a young man came to an old saint who taught the deeper life, the crucified life, and said to him, Father, what does it mean to be crucified? Because we've all heard, and this is me speaking, not him. We've all heard about, you know, pick up your cross and follow him. You know, we're all crucified on the cross with him. And, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So this person asked, this really smart person, or this seasoned individual, what does it mean to be crucified? The old man thought for a moment and said, well, to be crucified means three things. First, the man who is crucified is facing only one direction. I like that, writes Tozer, facing only one direction. If he hears anything behind him, he can't turn around to see what's going on. He has stopped looking back. And I guess that's one of the things that I have to do. I have to quit looking at my mistakes. I have to quit looking at my sins and let them go. Quit beating myself up for them, which I do every day, and move on. I can't, I can't look around. I can't look back. Tozer goes on. The crucified man on the cross is looking in only one direction, and that is the direction of God and Christ and the Holy Ghost and the direction of the edifying of the church, the direction of sanctification and the direction of the spirit-filled life. So to be crucified with, with Christ is to, fake, is to focus and face only one direction, forward. Forward with him and forward looking at him. Don't look back. Don't remember your sins. Don't remember your past. Look forward. And the old man scratched his head, his scraggly gray hair and said, One thing more, son, about a man on the cross. He's not going back. The fellow going out to die on the cross doesn't say to his wife, Goodbye, honey. I'll be back shortly after five. When you go out to die on the cross, cross, you bid goodbye. You're not going back. If we would preach more of this and stop trying to make the Christian life so easy, it's contemptible, we would have more converts that would last. Get a man converted who knows that if he joins Jesus Christ, he's finished. And that while he's going to come up and live anew, as far as this world's concerned, he's not going back. Then you have a real Christian indeed. The old man went on. Another thing about the man on the cross, son. He has no further plans of his own. 
I like that too, says Tozer. Somebody else made his plans for him, and when they nailed him up there, all his plans disappeared. On the way up the hill, he didn't see a friend and say, Hey, Henry, next Saturday, about three, I'll come by and we'll go fishing up on the lake. He was going out to die, and he had no plans at all. Oh, what beaver, busy beaver Christians we are, with all of our plans, and some of them, even though they are done in the name of the Lord, and evangelical Christianity, are as car- carnal as ghosts, as carnal as goats. It is beautiful to say, I am crucified with cross, with Christ, and know that Christ is making your plans. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, 20 minutes on your knees in silence before God will sometimes teach you more than you can learn out of books and teach you more than you can ever learn in churches. And the Lord will give you your plans and lay them before you. And I know for myself that when I'm simply quiet before God, it's amazing how much I hear. It takes a little bit. That's why he says probably 20 minutes because my first five minutes are me in my head carrying on conversations and telling myself to be quiet. The next few minutes are you're not rest, just rest in the Lord, rest in the Lord, be quiet. And then finally, once I do actually still myself, then I start to hear. At that point, God does talk. If my heart is right, if I am listening. Even when I pray, I'm on my knees at my bedside. So often my prayers, my own thought, it's me trying to think through all of it. Then I get distracted on some topic and I'm like a, a little kid chasing a butterfly in my mind and I don't even remember what I said. So being quiet in the Lord is key and he will reveal his plans for us. So I like that a lot. When you are crucified with Christ, you're not you're not looking back, you're not coming back, and you don't and you have no new plans for of your own. They're all God's. Tozer has a way of really bringing things home, at least to me. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this time and this day. I thank you for how you love us and the insights and the wisdom that you give us. I know, Father, it's been impactful to me to read your word and the blessing and the insights you gave to others. Spurgeon, Tozer, Kent Hughes, MacArthur, they're all so valuable, and I'm grateful. And I lift up this day to you. I pray that my tongue would show a heart that loves you, not one that's angry and bitter, not one that's polluted, but one that truly does love you. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my life and your salvation. And I just thank you, Lord, and I pray for our families that your angels would be about them, keeping them safe, keeping them from harm. May you be the one that we glorify, that we live for. May you determine our future, and may we submit to it gladly. May we never look back upon our past, because there's no changing it, and you've already forgotten it. It's as far as the east is from the west. So, Lord, I just pray that we would do your will, we would be submissive to submitted to you, and our hearts and our minds would be on you, so that we can love you with our whole being, and love our neighbors as ourselves. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.